Those Space People, a podcast series of casual cosmic conversations with people working on exciting space projects. Today we have Nicole Stott with us. She is a veteran NASA astronaut and an artist. She's also the director of the Space for Art Foundation and Nicole is currently based in Florida. Thank you so much for being here, Nicole, and welcome to the podcast. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. You have a background in aeronautical engineering, and considering that your career as a NASA astronaut is quite natural, but can we talk about this artistic side of yours that has surfaced over the years? Uh, yeah, sure. I think it um, started right along the way when I was young in terms of... Uh, you know, kind of in parallel with the love for flying and wanting to know how things fly, there was always this kind of creative side of things going on. And I think I attribute that to to parents who really just shared what they loved with me. And um, both my mom and dad, very creative people. And uh, my mom was a nurse growing up. So I you know, saw a little bit of that, you know, kind of technical side going on. And then my dad, um, like to build and fly small airplanes. So, you know, we were out at the the airport a lot as kids growing up. And that's, you know, that's where the love of flying came. But in parallel with all of that was, you know, art, artsy craftsy kinds of things along the way, whether that was actually creating something physically, you know, alongside my mom, who was doing macrame and pottery and hooked rug stuff back then, and she involved us or, um, you know, things like ballet and going to play softball and just kind of this, this well-rounded exposure to things that I think stuck with me um, through life and not really thinking, ooh, you know, I like this aviation stuff so I can only do the technical thing. It never made sense to me that you just kind of took yourself off in one direction. That's nice. I mean, I think art also does give us a very well-rounded perspective on life and uh, compensates for everything that engineers Well, and you know, it's like I, I've kind of watched with my own son growing up and in school, there's this tendency, I think, in school to really try to funnel kids one way or another, right? Oh, they're really good at science. So we're just gonna, you know, they don't need to go to art class or the humanities stuff, just send them down the science side or the kids that tend to have a tendency more, you know, talent towards art, they're like, oh, you don't need to mess with the science. And in reality, I think we want our children really developing their whole brain. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I'll tell you, I've seen through, you know, through my career, um, most of the people that I've worked with in the technical community have some artsy, craftsy kind of thing going on in their life as well, whether that's music or you know, building houses or painting or, you know, whatever it might be, there's, there's this balance um, in what they're doing and how they're, you know, how they're living and stuff. So kind of makes sense, even in hindsight to see it, you know. That's interesting. Uh, I mean, of course, they have really different perspectives, but in space, do you think artists or engineers, let's say with an artistic background, with an art background, do you think they bring something more to the table? Uh, Let's say engineers in a space mission? Yeah, you know, I really do. And, and I think I've seen that they're the, they're the people that are really, that have these jobs that are in the midst of all of this work, whether it's, you know, building and flying satellites, like, you know, like you're involved with now, whether it's building and flying spaceships that are taking, you know, people to space or space stations or the science, I mean, like the really hardcore science side of it. You know, we just had an anniversary of the Hubble Space Telescope. And I think about that. I mean, there's there's nothing more beautifully blended with the science and the art than looking at astrophysics and the way that we've always studied that, right? You know, we get this all these ones and zeros back from the telescopes or from the sensors that we're getting. But as humans, we process that data in a much more efficient, you know, effective way by letting it draw the pictures that it presents for us, right? And then throwing these colors in that, you know, that's this kind of gas, or that tells me how far away, you know, this star is. And our brains just get it better that way. And then we just happen to get these really gorgeous... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you know, there's gorgeous imagery out of it too. But I think since the very beginning of science, there's been art built into it. You know, before we had the computers that could generate those pictures, people were actually drawing them themselves. They had to have some talent for, you know, representing that. And and then when you want to communicate it to the, 
you know, to the public about where the value is coming and stuff, you have to present it in a creative way like that for it to, you know, for people to establish a relationship with it, to understand it in, in a better way. So, wow, I've never thought about it like this. So, so essentially making a really good PowerPoint presentation or writing a very good proposal is art. It's, it's communication, essentially. Yeah. And I think that's the word, you know, it's, it is a communication tool that, you know, is really innately human as well. You know, it's something that humans use, whether it's just for the joy of it, but also as, as a communication tool to, to really put the hardcore science out there too. And from a, you know, a humans in space flight standpoint, I mean, there's been art since the very beginning, you know, Alexei Leonov taken up colored pencils to draw, you know, orbital sunrises and sunsets. And, and then later during that historic uh, Apollo Soyuz mission, where these two, you know, these two countries come together in space that are not faring all that well together down here on earth and the handshake and all of that. And then Alexei does pencil sketches of all, all the crew. And there's been musical instruments on the space station since the beginning. I mean, it's just kind of putting the human in human spaceflight. Um, and I think it's going to continue to happen more and more. So do you think for people to work and contribute much better to space conversations or to space sector in general, should they primarily train as engineers and also on the side do some arts stuff? Or do you think even mainstream artists can contribute to these conversations? Oh, I mean, I absolutely think mainstream artists can. And I think they have been all along, too. You know, when you look at some of the, you know, the really wonderful um, artists who have put the reality of space as their theme for their artwork, and then the artists who have imagined what these places that we haven't explored yet look like through the scientific data, you know, they're doing that. And I think it's I think it's hugely important for us to address it that way as well. But I think that you know where the best the best work comes, you know whether it's in science or art, is because you just really love it, right? You really are excited and curious about the science that you're studying, and then the ways that you're going to communicate it or better understand it. And then that artistic and creative side can come out as part of it. Or you can just independently just happen to play, you know, a saxophone for your own kind of mental um, relaxation. But I think that there's there's a creativity built into engineering, and the best I really personally believe the best engineers are are utilizing that as well. And I don't know if you're familiar, but there's places like at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory where you know this rover that's on Mars now, you know, Perseverance and the helicopter ingenuity that are flying around. You know, that's where the um, those missions are created and then put to life. But they have a place at the Jet Propulsion Laboratory called the Studio. That is a group of artists and creative thinkers that are working hand in hand with the scientists to develop these missions and then to communicate them, not just to the public, but within the science community itself. And so they've got this, they understand right off the bat, there's this, this artsy kind of side, this creative thinking side that can be used very effectively when you're trying to solve, you know, complex technical problems too. Wow. This is cool. I'll, I'll definitely check this out. I didn't know this. Goddard too. Goddard is another center, uh, you know, NASA center that, that, you know, actively involves creative thought and artistic thought into, you know, into the missions themselves. Do you think the bigger problems, right? For instance, space has a bunch of uh, bigger problems such as uh, orbital collisions or the space debris, basically a call for better space traffic management and so on and so forth, which unfortunately, in spite of having such a large human presence, we are not able to uh, pull it off as smoothly. So do you think art can help in uh, pushing us in these direction to have better cooperation in space or to solve our problems better? Yeah, I, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I look at, you know, I think about the orbital debris thing. And I remember the first time I saw one of those like concept drawings, maps of the debris in space and just this, this picture of it, you know, here's this planet. <laughs> and then, you know, thinking of the scale out to, you know, 20 something thousand miles out and, you know, and where this debris really is and the concentration of it. You know, somebody could tell me all day long the numbers, 
that are associated with that and where it is and what it's made of and all that. But until I saw that kind of three-dimensional representation, you know, artistic representation of it, because we don't have a picture picture of that, right? And, you know, until I saw that, I was like, man, it didn't really register the kind of thing we were dealing with. And I think that's that's what's happening with a lot of this is whether you think about it as art, you know, directly as, oh, we're using art to, you know, to better understand this, that it, it really is a form of that when, we, when we're trying to get our brains wrapped around these numbers that are being thrown at us. Um, and to really understand the problem in order to be able to visually think about how we might solve it too. Yeah, I mean, every science article, every high technology article that we read everywhere in magazines, it, it always has this artist's impression or perception, yeah. right? Like even when we are talking about yeah. black holes or space debris or everything as an artist's impression, yeah. which all art forms do you think can be relevant for, for in the space industry? For instance, artists, you know, like like painting, visual arts or crafts? I think, I actually, I think all, all of them can. I mean, even, you know, performance art in one way or another could, you know, could be important. I think it's all in just how you're you're trying to communicate, uh, you know, a problem or a situation, and the audience that you're presenting that to, right? You know, I think there's a place for all of it, and historically, I think that's you know that we've seen that, you know, all along as well. Yeah, I wouldn't want to downplay any you know any one medium um, because the, you know the artists themselves might have in mind how this could um, help somebody better understand something or just make it real for them. Yeah, that's true. Can you talk about the work by the Space for Art Foundation? Yeah, sure. You know, so there's an example of some of our work, you know, right here. And I think it's, for me, it all started, you know, I had the chance to paint while I was in space. So, uh, and like I said, you know, there's been a lot of that kind of artistic thing going on, you know, for a long time. And so I painted this watercolor painting in space. And when I think about my time in space, it really was, it was a, like a personal highlight for me um, in hindsight, really, you know, I enjoyed it while I was doing, but when I think back on the whole spaceflight experience, I'm like, wow, isn't it cool that, you know, as a human doing human spaceflight, I could actually have something in space with me, do something in space that I love doing down here on earth. And it's just, you know, part of, of something that has nothing really technically to do with the mission, but was, you know, important for me. And when I started thinking about how I would share my spaceflight experience afterwards, after I had retired from NASA, you know, I just kept coming back to that opportunity to paint in space. And I thought, man, you know, people were really interested in that. I could use this as a way to uh, communicate you know, to people that don't even know we have this International Space Station, right? You know, sadly, there are people that don't know that for over 20 years, we've been working as this international community in space, peacefully, successfully, all of it off the earth for the earth, you know, to benefit life here on earth. And people should know that. Um, people should understand this, this connection we have to each other and our planet, you know, all of that kind of interconnectivity thing. And I just really felt like, wow, you know, my my own art could help me express that in a way that that might be unique and different. And and whether people liked my artwork or not, I could share the backstory of it. Oh, well, this painting's based on this thing I saw through, you know, the window of the space station. And that evolves to um, an introduction um, to another artist and some some folks at the Johnson Space Center that. Uh, we're working with some kids at one of the local pediatric cancer centers. And Ian, the artist there who had founded the art and medicine program, wanted to do something space-based. And in long story short, we ended up with this idea for art spacesuits. And our spacesuit company, the real one that builds our suits, like that I did a spacewalk in on the space station, ILC Dover, the spacesuit company, volunteered with us to to participate and help us build these suits and just our our motto is that we are uniting a planetary community of children through the awe and wonder of space exploration and the healing power of art and we're i i don't know i think you understand you know this this inspiration that comes through just the idea of exploring space 
of learning more and more about kind of our place in the universe and then bringing that back to earth and understanding our role as earthlings and, you know, human beings here and how we share the life with the planet and stuff to be able to, to bring that to kids in places where you really hope that that's the worst thing they ever have to deal with in their life. You know, this time they're having in the hospital or this time with their family and these, you know, and uh, displaced in a refugee center somewhere. It is incredible to me. To, I mean, I get goosebumps every time I think about it to come into these places to bring space exploration as this inspiring thought and to watch these kids sit up straighter, be strong, think and talk about their future in a way that's completely separate from this place that they're in at that moment. It's a very transcendent thing that has just led me to believe, you know, you can hear I'm a rambler, I'm going on and on, but has, has, has led me to believe that I went to space so I could come back to earth to do this work with these kids. And now we've gone from, you know, working with children in one hospital in one city to, you know, this suit behind me is children from 52 different countries. And we're currently working on a suit that we hope will have the artwork from at least one child in every country on the planet. So it's, it's very, very uplifting. I think it's good, not just for me, but it's good for, for the kids, which is what it's all about. And um, the bonus is that we've actually been able to fly some of these suits to space and the kids have been able to see their artwork come together with the kids from all around the world. And, you know, to witness that, uh, you know, kind of live on the space station, I think is a, is a special bonus for them as well. Wow. I'll hush. <laughs> Wow, that's, uh, that's incredible. So that's how space-themed art therapy is different for these kids compared to the usual art therapy. Well, I mean, I'm a believer in art therapy in general. You know, uh, I think when it's used in these situations, the theme for at any time is something that's it's really about allowing these children to transcend that, that experience they're going through. I just personally believe that space <laughs> has kind of this special... I don't know. I don't know. It allows this imagination, I think, to to come to life that you might not see with other things, and it it really puts the children in a place of of thinking about their future, creatively thinking about their future, and and understanding how they're not the only ones going through this thing too. You know, they know that all of the other kids that are painting around the world on this project are experiencing something similar, and I. I really feel like they feel like they're lifting each other up through that as well. So there's just a very positive, hopeful message, I think, that comes through through space exploration in general, always learning something new about ourselves and who and where we are, you know, in this universe. I think it helps us relate better to each other and, you know, and to our home planet as well. So um, if we can do that through art themed or space themed art therapy, I think we should be out there doing it. It's probably mostly in the space sector that art is, uh, even for mainstream, you know, the usual people who are not usually into art, for them, they experience art in some form or the other if they are space aficionados. For instance, you're either looking at these beautiful pictures by Hubble or you're reading all the science fiction or you are, um, you know, experiencing art in many forms. Yeah. So probably that's the charm that space holds, brings both of these, the high technology and the art aspects together. Yeah, I think it allows us to be, you know, to like further, I don't know, empower perhaps the, you know, our curiosity, just, you know, our wanting to know more. That's why things like, you know, I look at that image from a spacecraft like Cassini, you know, out at Saturn, we've sent this for however many years it took to get it out there. It's exploring Saturn. We're learning more about the planet and the rings and the you know all of it, and which is really really exciting, right? To know more about this planet and our solar system that I think everybody has always been entranced by. You know, the the rings of that planet have have always been kind of this mystery, right? And and then what's our favorite picture? You know, our favorite picture is that one that shows that little dot of light below the rings. That's us. You know, we're always trying to establish this relationship to understand, yeah, great, that's, you know, we know more about Pluto now, but where are we? You know, how do we connect to that? And it's this beautiful imagery, you know, Juno at Jupiter, some of the most stunning, you know, imagery that we've seen of 
that planet and its moons, you know, circle in the poles instead of the other, I, you know, just for us to be able to look at it and create things from it, for NASA to put the data out from that, that robotic, you know, spacecraft to the public to say, do what you want with this, study it like science or create posters and, and art from it in a way that just, you know, is allowing us to make this connection, like come back to like, wow, how do we relate to that planet? And um, I think that's, you know, again, it's like putting the human and human in spaceflight. And, you know, the more we do that, I think, you know, the more we involve more and more people in the exploration of these places, whether that's through just some really cool picture that you see um, come up on a picture of the day kind of thing on the news or or putting it in a way that people can just actively involve themselves in it, I think we'll be, be we'll be better off because of it. Trying to find ourselves is very human, right? Because uh, yeah. this reminds me of um, the first time Google Earth engine opened. Everybody's yes. trying to find your <laughs> apartment. Or- yeah, but you know, how cool is that? You know, the Google thing? I love that the standard setting, unless you change the setting on that, it always starts as a planet, right? It doesn't start in your little local place. I mean, it starts like, oh, wow, I live on a planet. You know, we don't think of that that often, right? And that's a really, really important thing for us to think about is, wow, I live on a planet. Oh, and if I spin it around, oop, there's where my little local place is. But wow, I, you know, look at how close really all of the other places on this planet are and how you can, when you can see it that way, when it's like tangible to you, I think it, I think it makes a difference. And I think it puts you just, mentally in a place of, you know, understanding not just your connected connection to the earth that you're standing on, but to all the other life that you're sharing with. And, and that's a really important thing, I think, to keep in our minds every day, as we're making decisions and, you know, choices. Yeah, yeah, that's very important. So speaking of your time uh, on the space station, and uh, art helping you and you creating art on the space station. So did this art help you cope with living in a very confined space or did it help you fight claustrophobia? Do you think art can help astronauts do that? I, I do think art can help with that. I mean, I look at what, I personally don't feel like the space station is claustrophobic at all. It's ginormous. I mean, it's it's a huge interior volume. So, um, you know, I mean, it really, it really is, you know, like right now there's what, 11 people on board the space station. And if they want to, they can go their separate ways in that station and never see each other. You know, it's that big up there. Wow. Um, but in the grand scheme of, you know, you're not just hopping in your spaceship and heading home every day or going out and doing a spacewalk or what, you know, there's not, from that standpoint, it's, you know, a confined, isolated place, but, but on the scale, it's, you know, and imagine in the room you're in right now, you know, if you didn't just have to sit and confine yourself to the floor, if you had the whole volume of that room you're in, it seems huge. I think COVID, COVID got us more used to confined spaces. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Appreciation for the window and the ability to go outdoors, right? But, you know, I'll go back a little bit to what we're doing with the kids in the hospitals, right? And this idea of how art helps us, how doing these things that are, you know, kind of personal projects and personal, you know, just things that you love outside of the technical work that you're doing. Working with these kids in the hospital and my, my, my partner in this, Ian, always told me, he's like, these kids will say things to you that are just beyond their years wisdom will come out of them. Um, as you're sitting there painting with them. And I had always had little things come up with with kids as they're talking about their future, as they're explaining, you know, what's going on with them to me and stuff. But I mean, one day I'm sitting with this little girl. I mean, she must maybe eight years old. Um, she's got this really colorful outfit on. She's little and she has this flower hat on. She's lost all her hair to chemo and stuff. And we're sitting there painting. And all of a sudden she just starts talking to me about, you know, Miss Nicole, what you, you know, what you guys do in space as astronauts, that must be a lot like what I go through here in the hospital. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I have to, I mean, it really took me back like for a minute and I just had to say, you know, instead of thinking, holy, mo-, you know, saying to her like, holy moly, you know, how can you compare, 
what you are going through here to what I dreamed of doing. And I didn't say that. I just said, oh, you know, well, what do you mean? Kept painting. Well, you know, tell me what you tell me what you mean by that. And she went on to just say things like, well, you know, you can't just go outside anytime you want. You can't see your family and friends the same way. Uh, you know, you're eating all different kinds of foods. Your body's changing. They're doing all kinds of tests on you. Uh, I think you have the radiation. And I'm like, wow, <laughs> wow, <laughs> exactly. It's like so, so perfectly parallels but in a totally different way, right? And it just made me think, you know, what we were doing with the art and the work with these kids in the hospitals and the refugee centers, I'm like, this is exactly the kind of thing we need to be thinking about for our astronauts, for our explorers that go further and further away from our planet. Because at some point, you know, aside from the fact that you are going to be in a relatively small space. You know, right now when they're talking about what the, the spacecraft that's going to take us to Mars, it's like they're look at, they're trying to figure out where do you put the toilet, let alone where's the exercise equipment and where's all the room to store your food and you know all this kind of stuff. It's going to be relatively confined space. So and on top of that, the view out the window is not going to be this gorgeous reminder of this home planet that you live on, this colorful, stunning, you know, iridescent, translucent earth out there, it's going to change to that dot of light, like you see in those pictures from Cassini. And that I just think psychologically is going to be a very different thing to, to deal with. And so we're going to need to be providing astronauts with, with creative, artistic, transcendent experiences that allow them to, you know, to deal with all of that. And it, I don't know if that's painting on your iPad or, you know, you know, having those gloves that make music, or it's the Star Trek holodeck, who knows. But it's a very much a parallel, I think, to what we're doing with these kids in the hospital. And I think we have to proactively be considering that kind of thing as we send people further and further away from Earth. And it doesn't mean that, you know, I personally believe humans will be able to deal with all of this kind of thing. But I think we need to be, you know, thinking about how we the kind of the countermeasure to these differences and you know painting just might be one of those ways that we you know have astronauts dealing with that wow if that makes sense yes completely i mean not completely because i haven't experienced being out in space but yeah i can i can uh, i can understand but i think you you mentioned the covid thing you know like in your you know you're <laughs> in your space now you're you're finding a way to do your work from this place that you're in um, I think there's an appreciation for that view out the window and the opportunity to get out, you know, put your feet in the grass, stand in the sun, you know, those kinds of things. And then I, I have to believe that people are more and more like, you know, to find strength in all of it there, there's creative outlets that are coming in that as well. You know, that could be watching a different movie on TV, I guess, than you might have before or looking at different genres of, um, of art that you might have had before, but also yourself, um, you know, taking advantage of doing something like that, too, just to keep the brain healthy and active when you can't, you know, when you're always having to do stuff like this, electronically engaging with people, you know, if you could find ways to, to do that in some other form is good as well. This entire uh, experience, the, the confinement because of the pandemic has, I would say, kind of made our minds leapfrog into this very digital uh, existence. Yeah. So uh, that's probably good. So speaking of long time space travel, right now that you mentioned it, what do you really think of space tourism? Because oftentimes, I mean, it's cool. It's awesome. You know, who wouldn't want to go for a weekend, get away on the moon yeah. and come back? <laughs> <laughs> My hand is raised. Yes. <laughs> All the people who can afford to go to space and live there are actually much better off on Earth. They have many oh, more luxuries yeah. and, you know, you have oxygen <laughs> and you have fresh grass. That's a big luxury. They're super privileged living on Earth. So how, how do you see the future of uh, space tourism? Do you just see it being a really fancy destination for people to go and visit and then come back? Or do you think humans eventually moving there? I think both. I think there's, I think there's an evolution in all of it. And I think you can parallel it in some ways to how um, air travel you know, evolved over time. And, um, and, and I'm hopeful for the settlements on in these, in these different places. 
just because I think that there's so many ways, uh, you know, you look at the moon as this, this place, you know, this perf it like, like purposefully placed, <laughs> you know, space station for us, right. It's been there, you know, we all look at it and, and there's value in us being there, right. There's the ways that we can lift off earth. Um, some of the industrial and environmentally compromising things that we do, we can lift that to a place like the moon or into space where it becomes kind of this neutral, you know, impact and then ultimately benefits life on earth, right? There's the, the advantage of being on the moon to allow us to more efficiently, effectively explore places further from our planet instead of always trying to lift everything off of earth, which is expensive and then environmentally compromising as well. Why don't we take that into space um, to do? And then this, this, this tourism thing, I think that the evolution of that will be that um, it will become over time. I, I hope in my lifetime, actually, that it becomes, you know, and I'm much older <laughs> than you are, but I, I, I hope that we see kind of this transition to where it's becoming more available. And it probably will take longer than that for it to be, you know, really parallel to what, what we see with air travel now and the availability of that, which still to a lot of people is not, you know, not something that they could just readily do, but, but is on scale you know, much more available. You know, you look at a company like Virgin Galactic that's off the bat is looking at it from a space tourism. Somebody goes up for five minutes, you see Earth from space, you come back down. You know, ultimately the business model there is we get somebody from point A to B on this planet, you know, quicker. Oh, and they get the bonus of this, you know, suborbital <laughs> space flight as well. It's just, I mean, the longer term of it has to be that or it doesn't make sense, right? Um, and I think there will always be people that want just to go to a place for the adventure of it, you know, not necessarily the utility of it, um, which is fine. I mean, that happens now. Um, and, and, you know, I, I mean, I'm thankful that I've had the opportunity here on earth to be able to travel to places that I might not have, you know, others otherwise seen. And, and the bonus to that to me is, it's not just about the place you're seeing, but it's about the people you're meeting, the experiences that you're having that allow you to see that, you know, on the one hand, we are not all that different to each other, right? We're all human beings, you know, this whole like earthling thing. And then on the other hand, to see that, wow, the, there, are, there are real values in the cultural differences that you find in other places. And, you know, and that seeing that people don't necessarily live the same way that you do, but that's okay. Or seeing that people don't live the same way you do, and that's not okay for someone not to have, you know, clean water, or clean air, you know, those, those resources that are necessary for just basic human life. And um, I think that, you know, opening up the, you know, space that way, you know, for people to have that reality of we live on a planet, put a little bit more in their face, regardless of how uh, wealthy they are. I think that is a, it's an eye-opening, life-changing thing that hopefully they will bring back to earth and, you know, take action based on in a positive way. So I always try to look at where's, where's the, you know, the inspirational or the positive, hopeful side of, of these things that we're doing. And I'll tell you, I've had the chance to talk to a lot of people that, you know, are in a position to do this, that I will never likely be in, you know, to be able to afford to pay my way to go to space. And in every single one of them, there is this hopefulness, this excitement about seeing Earth that way, and then bringing that you know, that feeling, that perspective back and, and really working to try to do something with it. Um, because if it was all about the five minutes of floating on that spacecraft and seeing Earth on the suborbital flight, I can't imagine that you'd want to fork out the cash to do that. The eventual business case, right? For example, Elon Musk promises travel between any two cities on the planet within two hours. So if, if that becomes a reality, I see that making more, having more volume 
essentially dance-based tourism. And that becomes mainstream, like the current day uh, passenger aircrafts between one city and other. If that becomes mainstream, and then there's going to be more people experiencing those five minutes of magic. Yeah. I mean, my husband actually was really, really fortunate as a child to travel on the Concorde. Oh, wow. Supersonic air travel. And, you know, that was pretty high up. You saw like edge, you get this, they're tiny, teeny, tiny little windows. But, you know, that was a very... You know, if you look at it in the overall grand scheme of things, the number of people that got to travel on Concord was teeny tiny. And and yet I think all of them had this this sense of, you know, wonder that went along with it too. And yeah, I don't know that I'll ever be able to take one of those, you know, suborbital flights on my own, you know, but I think that it's there's there's value in it in a number of different ways and uh, you know, when you look at, I'm, I'm pretty sure you're seeing this too in the satellite industry, you know, really all of what is being done with satellites is about understanding or improving life on earth in one way or another. And, um, you know, in this, this challenge of overcoming things like climate change, right? You know, the way we can present the, the, the reality of what's happening on our planet is through through what we've done in space. You know, again, we could talk about it all we want. We could see the ones and zeros in the, in the data, but when we can really present to people um, and how it's in, impacting their daily lives, um, that's why I like the whole idea of the, you know, satellites for a better world and the way the industry is presenting um, what they're doing now, it, because just like that dot of light under the, the rings of Saturn, it's how do you make the relationship, you establish the relationship to, humanity that really, you know, kicks into gear the the appreciation for, for why we even put these things in space at all. Yeah, I completely agree. We, we need to start looking at all these, the rockets and the satellites and everything like infrastructure. For example, the internet runs on these routers, just like the internet, which runs on all the fiber optic cables. And we never think twice about the fiber optic cables. The value is what we actually make of it. That way, I also believe that space is a very important infrastructure but then this needs a lot of interfacing, a lot of cooperation between space and a lot of other sectors, right? For example, agriculture or the maritime or every other thing on every other sector on the planet needs to interface with the space sector so we can bring about synergies and basically make use of all these uh, potential space debris we put out there. But it's not really the case, right? Like currently, uh, space as such is quite isolated. If we look at any space event or a space conference, it's mostly space people. We hardly see anybody, I don't know, an agriculturist, a farmer, or, you know, somebody who owns some resource coming to a space conference. And the other way around, we don't see any space people going to, I don't know, like a wine conference, well, I think it's I think it's actually starting to shift. Um, if you look like industry wise, I think that there's you know a lot more interest now. You know, it's just like Hubble had all this data coming down, right? You know, all these robotic missions, all the data is coming in, and we've probably of all the data, we've probably had the opportunity as scientists to look at this much of it, right? And and that's because to process it, to manage it, you know, to really take it and then apply it where it's needed is, is difficult. But if you look at the industry now, there's more and more, the focus is not so much on just the collection of the data, but the processing of the data. What, you know, what applications can we use to um, distribute this data to the agricultural sector or the energy sector or wherever it might be that, um, that really needs it. And I think that's like exponentially growing at this point is, okay, we got to take it, we got to use it, we got to process and get it like, you know, expeditiously to the, the industry that needs it. Um, I think that's happening more and more. Um, and you're right, though, you know, a space conference tends to be the space people talking to themselves, like, like, you know, like, is I think typical for any industry. But space is one of those places, just like, like you're talking about, that it just has its tentacles or can out into every industry that's um, that goes on, and 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 I think it's every. I, I think it's it can have a positive impact, you know, for, for all of this. And you know, this might be a little different, but I look at you know, right now in the U.S., um, there's this two trillion dollar I think proposal for you know for infrastructure you know, for that word, how do we, 
um, redefine our energy sector, our transportation, you know, all of these things. And, and I'm not sure, but I, I look at that and I'm like, oh my gosh, why isn't space, you know, and space technology embedded in all of what they're talking about doing as, you know, this evolution of the infrastructure or this revolution, I guess, really, in what we want our infrastructure to be to, you know, bring our carbon footprint down 50% by 2030, you know, whatever the numbers are. It's like, why aren't we talking about, like really actively talking about space-based solar power and just throw in the money that's needed for that right now into doing that, to making that a reality and lifting all of this, you know, stuff down here on earth um, off the planet. Yeah. And doing, you know, I mean, and, and with $2 trillion, the money that would be needed to do that, which is billions, yes, is like just this tiny little chunk. And still you could do all the other stuff you wanted to talk about. But space could have be having a really active role in, in these kinds of things. And, you know, that's why I'm hopeful. You know, some of the people that are coming into like the NASA world now, you know, uh, our peers. And it's like, you know, really hopeful to be able to go to them and say, okay, why aren't we knocking on the door of, um, of the folks that are putting this infrastructure model in space and just say in, in space in place, I guess, and saying, you know, space should be part of this. Yeah, it's definitely increasing. Hopefully in future, there's more uh, synergies we can figure out. Do you think art can help in any way in bridging these sectors? Um, I do. I do. I think, again, it's it's the word you use, like the communication side of things. You know, if we can, you know, I think just talking about that, like space-based solar power, that seems like, oh, wow, how the heck do we do that? You know, and if you could put a really creative, and I've seen some of them, like models, um, presentations of how that would work. You know, people imagine themselves getting fried by like laser beams coming down and, you know, from the sun and burning, you know, it's like, if we can present how this really happens, you know, the, the, the reality of it to people and something creative, I think that it, and that's, that's for our politicians as well, right? You know, they're not necessarily the science gurus of, of the world. And we need to, you know, make it real for them in a way that says, wow, yeah, that we should shift a chunk of this money to that and, and see if we can make that happen. Yeah, I think that's always going to be, I just think it's going to be embedded in all of it. Yeah, I think uh, the, the biggest challenge here is um, a lot of times people not in space don't really realize how space can help them and make their lives better. Yeah. The fact that we're doing this, you know, I've been on some, con you know, video conferences like this with people who are asking, well, why are we spending all this money in space and not down here on Earth? And, you know, the number one answer to that is, well, no money gets spent in space. It is all spent down here on Earth, first of all. But the fact that we are doing this, say thank you to the space industry, right? Say thank you to satellite, you know, telecommunication systems. And, um, and while it might have happened somewhere down the, down the road, we wouldn't be doing it the way we are right now. You wouldn't have this thing the way you do. You know, the headset you're wearing probably wouldn't be the same. Um, you know, these are just things that are integral to our daily lives now that because we haven't communicated it to people that this is where it's coming from or how it's um, evolving for you. People don't understand that space is the materials in your, you know, all of these things, how you're staying warmer in your house right now. Um, why there's clean drinking water on the planet in places that had never had it before ever um, is due to tech that's going on to help us live off the planet. And you said it earlier, you know, these places that people are want to go on vacation, it's like they weren't, you know, we go to Mars, Mars isn't welcoming us, upcoming us, right? You know, we basically have to build a spaceship on Mars to be able to, or turn it into one to be able to live there. You know, we build our space station to mimic what Earth does for us naturally, you know, and then, and then what do we do? We, we go onto our space station and we pay more attention there to how that life support system is maintained and the health and wellness of our crew members than we do with each other right here on this purpose-built space station for us. And um, I don't know, I'm, you know, on the space station every day, I was acutely aware of how much CO2 was in my atmosphere, the integrity of my thin metal hull, how my crewmates were doing, 
Um, how much clean drinking water did we have? All of those things. And yet we don't seem to realize that that's something that needs to be like great in our forethought with each other here on earth and our relationship to the planet itself. Then I guess perhaps the only way for all of us to become more environmentally conscious on the natural made spaceship, which is the earth is probably, I don't know, to spend a week off it and then we appreciate it better. Yeah. You know, I don't think you have to do that though. That's the thing. It's like, why should we, why do we have to do that? I mean, I'm looking out my backyard right now. You've got a window to your left that I'm sure you could look out and there's like awe and wonder around us everywhere, right? This, this, you know, we can look up at the sky and I mean, I'm I'm looking out at a blue sky today that looks like it goes on forever, right? But the reality is it's like this thin veil that's protecting us, holding in all of of what we need to survive here. Kind of like that thin metal hull of the the space station, right? And um, I don't know, I, I think you don't have to go to space to, to realize, to understand that we live on a planet. We're all earthlings, only border that matters, thin blue line of atmosphere, right? And once, I, I think it's, I think the bottom line is whether you're on this mechanically built space station or you're on earth, that's this planet. That's like a spaceship. We all just have to start behaving like crewmates and not passengers. And that's when, Oh, how much CO2 is in my atmosphere? What am I doing to impact that becomes the reality that you feel responsible for. It's easy to live like a passenger and complain. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's very true. Yeah, hopefully, um, I I don't know what would make us more uh, conscious, more environmentally conscious and more grateful. Perhaps art, perhaps space-themed art. I think it's, oh my gosh, you know, think back like a little over 50 years ago, that that image that we all got of Earth, the Earthrise image, right? And what that did initially, you know, in setting off, you know, in the U.S., really essentially kicked off the Environmental Protection Agency, Clean Air, Clean Water Act kind of thing. Um, Earth Day, uh, you know, is can be tied to that. All of these, this, this, like, oh my gosh, I live on a planet. Look, that's the who and where we all are together. I, I think there's still no better image that does that for us. It's why, like you said, with the Google Earth thing, it makes me so happy that it comes up as a planet first. But I think in some ways it's become ubiquitous, right? We see it everywhere. We see this planet thing everywhere, and yet we we need to kind of step back and look at it and say, wow. I live on a planet and here's how I, you know, need to be the, like the caretaker, the guardian of it. Right. You know, for my children, for, you know, you know, just this, this steward and, um, and that, I, I don't know how that cannot impact you to where you want to become part of the solution. Um, really. But, you know, like with all this COVID stuff going on and how we are, you know, we're sticking closer to home as we're supposed to and we're doing these things. I don't know. I've just found I've tried to come up with ways that helped me feel like I did when I was looking out the window of the space station. Right. This really transcendent time could go by and this appreciation of this planet below me and this connection to everything there. Um, And I and I've found ways here, you know, meditation is a way right? You know, to allow yourself to connect to something differently and yet completely separate yourself from, (laughs) you know, everything else around that transcendent thing. And, you know, just going outside and standing in the dirt, you know, barefoot, stand in the dirt, in the grass, you know, and, and acknowledge that connection that your feet are making with a planet, (laughs) You know, that's huge. I, you know, I walk outside on a normal basis. I'm not really thinking, oh, I'm walking on a planet, you know, but to do that, to actively be thinking of that and then to look up and look out and realize that that blue sky you see or that night sky doesn't go on forever. It's this veil of protection. And yet we're part of this universe and, um, and you're on a planet that's rotating at a thousand miles per hour. And yet you just feel like you're just comfortably standing there and oh by the way you're rotate you know you know orbiting the sun at what like 37,000 miles an hour so it might even be more that 60 something th- I can't remember the numbers you know but traveling around I mean that is in some ways very overwhelming to think about and yet it's like one of the most grounding things 
I think that you can do like just bring yourself back to your feet connecting to the planet and the reality of who and where you are and, and go use it, <laughs> you know, go use it for the good of you and everyone else around you. But I really hope there's more and more people who think and look at Earth this way, make better choices on an everyday basis. And I hope art really makes us take better decisions on an everyday basis. Yeah. And I, I mean, I know I feel blessed, fortunate. I know I am not living the same life and having the same struggles that, you know, so many people are. And and I imagine in those situations, it's much more difficult to say, oh, I'll go put my feet in the grass and think about the fact that I live on a planet. But I think the more and more of us that do um, and acknowledge that and recognize that we can have a positive, we can, ha- we can have a positive impact. We can increase that hopeful level. Um, that then makes it possible for more and more people to, you know, to, to do that and experience that same thing. So from what you're saying, right, from what we discussed so far, it seems like we all need a good dose of uh, space-themed art yeah. therapy ourselves to, <laughs> to appreciate yeah. what we have better. Yeah, I think, you know, I would, I would um, you know, welcome, invite, encourage anyone who can, you know, just like these children that we have involved in these projects and how I think it, it really does lift them up and have them thinking positively about their, their future and what, how they might live better, like an earth earthling, right. As a crewmate, um, you know, why not, you know, everyone just pull out a piece of paper, you know, even if you're just sketching with a pencil or something, just sit there and think about, you know, your place on a planet as part of the universe and how you imagine that. And, And one of the things I always um, like encourage people based on my experience, you know, feeling really, really fortunate again to have had the chance to see Earth from space, to to view our planet in a way that just looks so beautiful, even though, you know, there are things going on down here that are, are are really, really challenging for us to overcome. I really feel like, you know, we have it in us And, and through imagining how you want our place in the universe to be. I think we really can create a future here on earth. That's as beautiful as it looks from space. And maybe that just takes a little bit of, you know, imagination and then, you know, then doing whatever we can to bring that to life. And, and we all have the power to do that, draw something out, you know, imagine what you want life on earth to be, and then go see it, be it kind of thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's a, that's a great way. I've taken a lot of your time. We've had a really interesting, fascinating discussion, Nicole. I've enjoyed the conversation. You can tell I, I'm a, I am a rambler and it's because I do like talking about this stuff. And I think it's worthwhile for us to have this conversation, you know. It's, it's great. I absolutely loved everything that you had to say. And I also feel like a um, crew member on space. Good. <laughs> But that's what we have to encourage each other. You know, when we see our friends behaving like passengers, we got to slap them around (laughs) a little bit and bring them back on the crew. Yeah. So if space enthusiasts or students or young professionals want to get in touch with you, what's the best way to do so? I think uh, would be through either the um, Space for Art Foundation uh, website, which is just spaceforartfoundation.org. Or through my my own website, which you can get to either as nicolestott.com or npsdiscovery.com. Follow me on Instagram, pre-order my book, those kinds of things. Wow, definitely. Thank you. Thank you very much, Nicole, for taking your time out. Absolutely. I hope we meet sometime in person, someday in a conference. I do too. Or even better, at a weekend getaway on Mars or Moon. Yeah, let's go for the moon. I think that, that would be awesome. <laughs> Thank you.